I'm Warm. I'm Dope. And I'm Zoe. And this is part two of Diet Love Past, brought to you by Ellipsism. Ellipsism. <laughs> Good try. Ellipsism. So, you guys, I don't have very much to talk about. Um, we were just discussing Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and the Butter Frog. What's your guys' favorite movie? I don't really have one. I'm pretty sure it's Shrek or the Twilight series. Currently, it changes, of course. Of course, a good one right now that I can't stop thinking about that I want to watch again. As <laughs> everything, everywhere, all at once. That's a oh, good movie. I still haven't seen that. You haven't. What is it on? Nothing. I think it's on. Oh. I Do you it have it? Disc, I think it's on yeah. HBO or it's on Peacock. I stole my brother's because my whole family went to see that mm-hmm. together. Not my whole family, my siblings. <laughs> Which, if you know the movie. Just go with your siblings. Don't go with family. Uh, <laughs> we're all just crying in the theater together because it's it's a lot. It's a good movie. That's my current favorite. My favorite movie. God, I fucking love movies, man. I love a good movie. Oh, good movie. <laughs> um, Treasure Wreck-It, Planet. Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. I fucking love Wreck-It Ralph. Basically every movie with that art style. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Of Treasure Planet before. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're still good now. They're still the good nostalgic yeah. childhood movies. Like, Sinbad, the cartoon one, is really good. I've seen that in forever. Those are the two that we watched that one day. That one day, huh? Yeah, Sinbad's really good. So is uh, the Road to El Dorado. I love the Road to El Dorado. Such a good wholesome movie. Yes. I love it. It has a lot of good things, but it wasn't for me. I've tried to watch it so many times. From yeah. Like, I mean, it's good. I mean, it I has get that what you art mean. style, but like, after a while, it's like, it's like the beginning part, pretty yeah. good, and then after a while, it's like, eh. mine's the opposite. It takes me like the beginning. I feel like just drags forever, and then everything happens, and then like they kind of rushed it. Yeah, yeah. It's still a good movie. It's still a classic. Yeah, I really want to get a blonde wig, and one of the taller people in our friend group goes as the other guy. Miguel and Tulio, that's their names. I want to go as Miguel, and I want someone else to go as Tulio. Or Doe, you go as Miguel, and I go as Tulio. I'm down. I'll be Esmeralda. Okay. You could be that horse. Esmeralda. I don't think it's Esmeralda. I don't think it's Esmeralda. Oh, that's Notre Dame, huh? Yeah. It's, God, what's her name? What's his bitch name? I do not remember. I always fix their names up. But you know, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I'll be her. Okay. Gonna wear the loincloth and everything. Oh, Ass hanging out. Me and we have to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it'd be me and Worm. I'm going as Tulio. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. I, I mixed up the names real quick. Zoe doesn't like to get close to me. She wouldn't even reenact the Twilight <laughs> scene with me. Which Twilight scene? Twilight Adam Scars. <laughs> 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 You don't want to be a confederate with me? (laughs) (laughs) All right. I still think it's funny on our vacation, we literally locked ourselves in that hotel room to the point that room (laughs) service knocked on our door twice (sighs) to be like, hello, room service. And we had to be like, no, no, we're okay. (laughs) And she couldn't hear us too, so we had to keep saying that. She couldn't hear you. And we we spent like a good (laughs) 10 hours just watching Twilight. Because there was nothing else to do in that town. All right. Is that it? Yeah. Anymore? Give me a second to stop hiccuping real quick. Are you going to hear? Uh, hold for hiccup. <laughs> no, she's not going to do it. <laughs> if you did again, yeah, I'll give you a cookie. Oh. <laughs> God damn it. Why'd you do that? <laughs> that hurt like a butt cheek. I'm a stick. Mother trucker. <laughs> Mother <laughs> trucker, dude. That hurt like a butt cheek on a <laughs> Okay, let's jump into this. <laughs> so just to summarize what we went over last time, we talked about the incident. We talked about all the injuries and stuff. We talked about Yuri Yudin, the survivor, and we talked about uh, Bianco, the 11th. We talked about all the different or- John names. Yeah, we talked, <laughs> we talked about a lot. But in this one, we're going to be getting into the theories and other, uh, basically other updates with the case. Because finally, they've released new information about the case recently. How recent? 
uh, as of 2023, oh. like oh. January 2023. Oh. That's why I wanted to go back and do more research on this because they had updated it with 2023 knowledge. Pretty insightful, too. Yeah, it was pretty it was okay. All right. It was right. All right. We'll get it. We'll get into it. So let's jump right into this. Uh, There have been over 22 theories on how these hikers died and why they died. 20 of them have been debunked. There are only two that remain, and they're both weather related. So starting strong, we've got the KGB theory, a theory that Semyon Zolotarov and Alexander Koltov and Yuri Krivonyshenko were KGB agents on a mission to uncover a cell of CIA agents. They were sent to deliver radioactive samples and take photographs of the Americans, but something went wrong, and C- CIA agents are theorized to have killed the group. It sounds like an insane story now, but at this time during the Cold War, this felt like the only way to spy on the Soviet Union. Russians weren't that easy to fool, though, because they repeatedly deceived the Western countries by using radioactive tainted material from places that had nothing to do with it. And this brings us to the so-called theory of Western intelligence involvement. In this theory, two or more members of the Dietlov group were hired by the KGB to deliver fake proof of radioactive and tainted clothes because just because of how the government works, there's not a 100% way to fully disprove this theory. But it would make sense because most of the because those diaries have not been found. So they only found a few like a couple of the diaries. They don't know where the other ones are. Do we know that? They were brought with majority of them. Yeah. So each person had their own diary as well as their own camera when they went with them. And these diaries have never been found. And then we've got radio songs was another theory. For those that don't know what that is, it's an instrument carried by a balloon or other means to various levels of the atmosphere. And it transmits measurements by radio. It starts with uh, Vladimir Negev, a man with so many titles. He was a veteran of the KGB and the Federal Security of Russia. He was also the head of the Faculty of Military Medical and was also a candidate of medical sciences. He published a trilogy in 2018 that reveals the mechanism of death of the Dietlov group named the Half-Life of the Kinyiba group. They were launching a special purpose radio probes in an unpopulated area under the shell of a balloon. Under the shell of the balloon was a gas with short-lived radioactive isotopes. Five sulfur phosphorus, and when that entered the bloodstream, it is deadly and can leave no trace within three to five minutes. Uh, about not about 99% of the hydrogen sulfate is gone from the body within three to five minutes. A toxic chemical element can be detected in the blood only if the rate of the hydrogen sulfide intakes equals or exceeds the oxidation rate. The final oxidation products that remain after death, such as sulfates, quickly decomposes and ceases to exist. It was proven at that time that meteorological rockets are known to have been used in the region of Mount Orton, which is the original name of the mountain. At some point, a missile must have hit one or more radio songs and spilled the radioactive content. Like in 2019, they found physical evidence of a piece of sheet metal from one of these, and it was found in the area that the Dietlov group was in, and it matched all of the, uh, the metal carbon dated, I think that's the right word, carbon dated back to this time period. And then there's the Manzi theory. The next bit of information are a quote from Svetlana Os, uh, labeled Don't Go There. Quote, according to Vladimir Androsov, uh, who lived in the area next to the Manzi his whole life and is very familiar with their traditions and beliefs, the Chum, which is a similar style to a teepee, and is a place of blood sacrifices. The purpose of any blood sacrifice performed by the indigenous people was to ask God to protect their reindeers from wolves, from diseases, and to provide more food for their reindeer, etc., etc. Really, native minorities of northern Russia don't perform human sacrifices. And the following quote from a modern manzi, Roman Animov, uh, repeated as it is written by ethnographers, it reflects his intentions to impress or scare them. Here he talks of his tribal god sacrifice, quote, he, also or referring to God, would bring a sacrificial ro- rooster. And when there wasn't a rooster, it was said it was necessary to steal a sacrifice, a Russian baby. Roma looked at us une- looked at us expectantly and quotes, well, that was a long time ago and now they don't do that. Barbarism. A rooster is better. End quote. It was further proven that the Manzi indeed had no role to play in the death of the hikers. In the criminal case, the latter part of the statement of Ivan Yurov, Yurov, uh, the old man who said that the wind could produce some terrible sounds, says, 
What I know about the Manzi, I know that their sacred mountain is about 40 kilometers south from the place of the deaths. This one's kind of a... <laughs> stretch. A stretch? No, this next one's a bit of a stretch, though. It's uh, shrooms, otherwise known as Amanita muscaria. Oftentimes, when these spores grow, they are extremely toxic unless dried out and are usually found under pine trees, similar to the ones in the area. There is a slight possibility that the group may have ingested some mushrooms, either intentionally or unintentionally, and suffered the delirium and sweating with acute doses. This would account for what appears to be the behavior of the group on that final night. Well, maybe, since the other guy knew that they were run out of food, at least to the what time if, that he was notified, they could have been yeah. scavenging, possibly, and run wouldn't into they it. find that in their system? Not really, no, because it was, well... Maybe, but I don't think I they don't really know, did any toxicology for report. it. I don't, during that time, they might have not had. The yeah, resources. I don't think they, and I don't think they really did any toxicology reports on this. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> so I don't think it's too much of a stretch. Yeah. The violence, maybe, because I feel like you, there'd be a lot more reports. With but maybe for like survival, but that makes sense. Yeah. After ingesting, going crazy, be like, oh, we have to survive more if we're out of food, and then going crazy. Mm-hmm. And they probably didn't know that it was shrooms, the magical yeah. mushrooms. Could explain why the other guy had something bitten off of him, because they claim it was him. Well, he said that he bit off, they, part of his knuckle was bitten off, but they think that that was because to keep himself alive. Like to to, keep f- him to awake. feel pain. Maybe, yeah, probably to keep him awake, because he was suffering from the um hypothermia hypothermia that may i mean it makes sense makes just sense. another theory <laughs> doesn't end and then everyone's favorite of course we're going to touch on this the yeti otherwise known as the snowman or the mank to the indigenous people uh they found a mock news article with the camper's possession saying quote from now on we know snowmen exist end quote the Yeti has always been a popular theory for the Bigfoot community, especially. The local tribes have seen giant men wandering throughout the woods. Yeti, 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 Yeti! Do you know where that's from? No. The backyard again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> so ne- next up we have methanol poisoning. Uh, this is a very popular theory because due to the symptoms, it makes a lot of sense for how erratic they acted when it came to slicing open the tent, running into the void... The symptoms included decreased levels of consciousness, poor coordination, vomiting, abdominal pain, and a specific smell on your breath. A few solid examples are cutting up the tent from the inside, going down the slope uh, solo rather than together, like holding hands due to possible blindness. Another example was cutting up branches to make fire while there is dry wood laying around the cedar tree. And honorable mention with this theory, there was an extremely high amount of urine in, Diet- in Dietlove's bladder, about a thousand centimeters considered kidney failure. Dietlove is one of the people's names? Igor, yeah. Igor Dietlov. That's I'm who they named like the pass after. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, we Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Dietlove. It had a name right yeah. before that about basically saying don't enter. Yeah. It was basically that's death right. pass is what yeah. it used to be called. That's right. I remember now. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> that's how <laughs> there was the theory for being mistaken for gulag fugitives siberia at this time was still a land of the gulag many political prisoners were released in 1953 to 1956 one private investigator spoke to former servicemen in the area and said that the hikers could have been killed after being mistaken for escaped prisoners from a local gulag camp or alternatively, they were killed in a cleanup operation after a series of military exercises. I mean, maybe a little bit part of it, maybe. Easy, easy to cover up for 20 years. Yeah. yeah. And then we've got a wolverine attack. So if the group was eating at the time when something made them flee the tent, the smell of food would have been had a would have had a hypnotic effect on the hungry animal. The wolverine possibly tried to climb inside the tent through the main entrance. Most likely, the reaction of the hikers was to drive the predator away by hitting it with all sorts of objects, including their cameras, hence the broken light filter on Krivonashenko's and the deep scratches on the case and torn strap on Slobodin's camera. One of the points in this theory was the odor from the animal would have turned their skin a weird color, but it's highly doubted. Even one of the sisters of Kolotov's sister was, when she was asked about how she felt about this theory, she gave the following quote, I personally don't see how the wolverine secretion can stay evenly over hikers' faces and hands, but this is the least of my problems with this theory. That and how can, like, 
the bruising on the other people. Yeah. The tongue missing. The, I mean, that kind of, that does seem like it would make sense because it's a Wolverine. He can rip his tongue out. Yeah, but, but it doesn't. But like, but like, Wolverine attack. broken ribs, all of that. That's combat yeah. with another person. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. an animal. I mean, unless maybe a bear, but I don't think a yeti. A bear. Yeti, yeti, yeti. yeti. <laughs> and then we've got Zoltar- Zolotorov's meltdown. So from what I could read on this, it's basically just a bunch of pictures taken of him looking really angry because Igor chose a more difficult way to go on the hike and he wasn't about it. Or it's theorized that later that night him and Igor got into a big fight and that's when everything kind of erupted. A general example of this is when there is no direct evidence and a lot of circumstantial evidence leads to a person who has an alibi. Oh, that's what you were talking about last episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to talk about it more. You said it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the theory of one night. It's just a theory. A game theory. And then there's <gasps> the... What? Were you going to say something? No. Okay. Just gasping. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's the UFO alien theory, which the UFO community used the pictures of the blurry lights on Sasha's camera as a reason to have scared them away. Around this time, the Soviet army did launch several rockets from Bayankonor base. Although the military claimed the rockets landed in, in the North Ural Mountains, several geologists 70 kilometers from the mountain saw something glowing and pulsating orbits flying in the direction of the Kohlholt Seat on the day of the tragedy i like i'm an alien believer but i really don't think it's aliens everything <laughs> no. kind of points to government cover-up in my opinion it would be i could see aliens if they were never found i could see that yeah, yeah. but no they were found like i'm sorry was, this is scratched off <laughs> the, the force and the brutality seems more more primal than alien oh yeah that makes sense yeah we don't really know the ideas of aliens because whatever i mean but i feel like a lot of like alien theories and stuff like that it's never like that violent (laughs) it's always kind of like a it happens and then you're done yeah instead of this so (laughs) (laughs) sorry it's be real time oh is it (laughs) be real time (laughs) while you guys are doing that i'm gonna read the next one so another theory is a snow slab Although this is not an avalanche-prone area, the slope that they were on is not tall or very steep. It's maybe 25 degrees at the most. The opponents of this theory suggest that the hikers' diaries report fairly thin snow cover. However, these facts don't exclude the possibility of a small avalanche. A portion of the upper layer of snow could simply shift and roll over the hikers as a slab of snow. This one seems more... Logical. Logical, but at the same time, it's not as steep as... Like yeah, a mountain mm-hmm. could be for that force. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They have like the whole image of it and stuff, but it just doesn't seem something sound, seems logical, off. But practical, yeah. it is not. Yeah, and then we have a very outlandish theory, which is a snowmobile. Which I did the research. Snowmobiles did exist in Russia around this time. They came out like nineteen fifty five, fifty six, fifty seven, something around there. So they were fairly new. Um. Usually the theories give reason for the group to leave the tent, but then they kind of let nature take its course. A man named Igor Povetkin ventures to point out what could inflict the hardest to explain and the quickest to die from the injuries. In this version, Dobnina and Zoltarov are run over by a snowmobile. Tibo's head injury, the wound on Kolotov's head, and the abrasion on Kolomorgrov's side and lower back could have also been caused by a snowmobile. There's been little to zero evidence to back this up aside from injuries. And again, they're all dead. I don't know. I feel yeah. like with stuff like that, like the Wolverine snowmobile or just think. or just one one solid thing that's doing it, mm-hmm. they're all dead. Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know, there'd be a, a lot more to it. I don't know, evidence. It's not like the evil snowmobile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the movie, the, the killer tire. Killer <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Just goes, yeah. Great movie. My favorite movie right now, by the way. <laughs> and then we've got Arctic Hysteria. Uh, this theory has gained a lot of traction after many people started comparing the Dietlov Pass and the Shivroy Pass incident. The Lovozero native residents introduced the 
Maria Kini as a possibility of the strange behavior of the hikers in example, disorientation, loss of track of time, not feeling cold, or walking in a trance. Other symptoms of this illness can be aggression and atypical for the person's behavior in general. Sami people call it Maricini. Russian names are hard. Like the Mirachini. like the cherries? Maricini. Maricini. You have cherry? to say it in the Russian accent. Something like that, right? Maricini. Maricino. Maricino with cherries. <laughs> and then we have the gravity fluctuation. So, Petersburg's physicist, PhD associate professor of the Institute of Engineering and holder of more than 100 patents, German Erschenko, believes that when the pressure decreased tremendously, it threw the hikers out from the tent. The hikers in the tent, sleeping or just getting ready, had time to undress, and then an unknown force began to lift them off the floor and drag them into the direction of the corridor, said the scientist. As the outside air pressure was significantly lower than inside the tent, people began to push outwards the scientist said the emerging hikers instantly pushed the tent from the inside and since the pressure in their bodies still remained high they received unexplained internal injuries including broken bones according to the scientists though such events are not uncommon for the area for those who in the future will go visit Dietlov pass it is worth bearing in mind that the corridor where the gravity to earth is decreased and can open again Sorry, there was a bug. <laughs> there, was, there was a fly. <laughs> I thought you were trying to get my attention. No. I was like, what? Do you want me to stop? <laughs> no, I was just sorry. So I just did some quick research. Not research. Um, yeah. That an onion bulb is just can just be a fresh onion as well. It's not specifically just the growing of an onion. It is uh, a fresh onion as well. But that still leaves the question, why did he have an onion in his pocket? You should no, look I at, You should look up. I, I, I can't find anything that's like spiritual or good luck or anything. It, it yeah. all just means like just, health and stuff and it's just like having it. As just a food. light snack. Yeah. Ogre. It is like barren Russian Shrek. land, so yeah. yeah, there's not much. Yeah. I don't think in that area land can grow too much either, but it's restricted not really, to a no. lot of things that can go through so we've got i feel like i start every sentence with so i'm so i'm sorry for everyone (laughs) (laughs) we have infrasound donnie Iker, who spent five years researching the incident and undertook the trek himself believes that a wind phenomenon called carmen vortex street could have produced a terrifying powerful sound which has proven to induce irrational fear in humans due to the unique terrain of dead mountain it's similar to a bowl shape kind of like the salt lake valley so when the wind hit a wall, it would have created these little tornadoes in the clouds that would be spinning fast enough to tear a roof off a building. And it would have created a deafening noise, even if they missed the tents, as Ecker's theory suggests. But under certain circumstances, they could also produce a more subtle and terrifying phenomenon known as infrasound. They have even used this type of frequency in movies to induce fear. I think that one sounds one of the most rational ones. Yeah. There's a lot of theories. That one I don't. Oh, we've got more theories. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I was just saying I don't. I don't say with that one too much. Mm -hmm. Like another like plausible, but not practical. Yeah. Yeah. A lot Mm. of them. I mean, they're theories. They can be plausible. And then some other theories are that aren't really, it's just kind of a jumble of multiple things. In the area of Mount Orton on the period February 1st to the 2nd, 1959, a murder was committed. The footprints near the tent were deliberately destroyed. The tracks were covered with snow. And perhaps the killers approached the tent, took the guys out into the cold under the threat of the weapons, and then simply froze them out without using firearms. Firearms can almost always be identified by type, brand, range, in some cases the manufacturer of the ammunition. After they were taken out of the tent, for some reason they examined it inside with a flashlight. The tracks from the tent are measured at an even pace, not running. Perhaps they were taken outside and taken away from the tent to the bare winter forest to freeze. The killers did not show mercy. To the stubborn ones that did not succumb to hypothermia, they broke the ribs and left them to die in the ravine. Two better, the two better-dressed hikers, Zoltorov and Thibault, could have been outside the tent at the time of the attack. For example, they went for firewood or something like that. Uh, taking into account the incompetence of the expert, it is impossible to rely to reliably judge from which side of the tent was cut and torn apart. Therefore, it's considered that this theory about the tent ripping open by the hikers is unreliable. 
Most likely, the killers had professional skills. This evidence by the injuries of the last four, Zoltorov, Tibo, Dobinina, Kolotorov. They had very specific fractures of the ribs, which could be inflicted by blows of a fist or a boot to the chest from the front, followed by a jump on the chest of the defeated victim. In addition, injuries to the temporal parts of the skull also cannot be the result of fall on st- of the fall on stones. There are no diaries of the men, uh, where some previous events could be reflected most objectively. The diaries were either confiscated or burned immediately. Money, documents, and valuables were not touched, so the motive for killing the hikers was to was to probably destroying them as witnesses to something. The hikers were divided into groups. Under duress, it is more reliable to kill with frost or for dispersible hiding from the attackers. Slobodan, Doroshenko, Krivonoshenko were the first to die. Then half-dressed Dietlov, and then Zina Kologoromov, I'm not going to get it, Zina. Uh, the first ones were Leoda Dobnina, Kolotorov, Thibault, and after them, the strong, well-dressed Zoltorov. They were all searched, pockets on buttons. The men's diaries and pencils, usually kept inside, were destroyed. Most likely, there were evidence, descriptions of what was happening or what they saw along the way. The last four were thrown into a ravine after dying since the cadaveric spots on them most obviously do not coincide with the position of the bodies. So that's kind of the murder theory. I like that one a bit. I can mm-hmm. see that kind of wrong place, wrong time, and people just storm. Mm-hmm. I would think maybe more than one person, though, of yeah. course, and then them just storming through. It also coincides with the uh, gulag fugitives theory. If someone mistook mm-hmm. them for fugitives. There's the army Supports coming through. the evidence. Theory, <laughs> and then like 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 giving some sort of message with her tongue being ripped out and stuff mm-hmm, too. Yeah, that. like she said something or did something. Yeah. Wait, didn't they? One of them say like her heart was couldn't... still beating. No, when one her of the was girls that one of the girls didn't know how to keep their mouth shut. Yeah, Ludmila, Ludmila. Is that the girl? That yeah. Her tongue? But yeah, there. see, <laughs> I like that theory. That's pretty. It's a solid pretty right solid there. theory. Just basically. A lot of these could be true if they can find them too. Yeah, it could be like a combination of all mm, no, minus the yeti, yeti, yeti. <laughs> aliens and the yeti and the Wolverine. I don't like that one. I mean, I could see that one for them, like their eyeballs being taken out and frantic. Yeah, moving, but Wolverines—they don't or just being at least attacked. they pack, but not pack like that. I think it's like two or three Wolverines. Yeah, yeah, and them all dead like that. No well, I don't think they like, like killed them, but I think maybe they attacked them and then the rapid moving, like them mm-hmm. leaving. But they were still so close together too. I think they would spread out, maybe come back together and die. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just don't like it. Yeah, I'm trying to make sense of it. Yeah, and it's not making sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the sense is not sensing. <laughs> it's not raining. So that's that's all my theories on what I found to be interesting there's obviously they go into depth on more theories but those are the interesting ones that i could find do you guys want to give your theories now or wait till the final discussion i think it was just a mix of the th- i think it's three of them just dealing with the gulag mm-hmm. fugitives the last one was just them being murdered by someone mm-hmm. so that's what i think i it's think just so the combination. too yeah i think so too i think it's definitely someone did this because there's no way an avalanche could have done it no wild beast really i feel like it could have been first it could have been random attacker attacked them did some damage then the military and then the military mistake them from refugees because of how damaged they were looking they could have mm-hmm. been and then killed the them. person that did this to them oh uh, yeah yeah because this was a government like them. this was a government approved trip so you had to get permission from the government to do yes. this and not only that just also not taking the one guy that knew the yeah. route yeah it just because makes the sense military went through already That's yes why didn't he go again they thought that he would be more useful at home base they didn't the military they didn't approve him to go they yeah planned it. they planned it they planned it because he didn't have enough uh they were probably like let's send these guys out kill them off they're not useful but don't take that guy because he's useful <laughs> do enough community service, right? Yeah, he didn't do enough community service, and so that's but why he wasn't perfect, allowed to go. Perfect cover up. Yeah, yeah. But then they just kind of threw in Zoltarov, the thirty-eight-year-old. But my theory is, I think the Yeti and aliens are friends. <laughs> and they did it together for a little. little they met up, and they were like, 
hey, uh, I saw some of these these people down over here. You, you want to go mess with them? <laughs> you want to send out a message? I don't want to play anymore. I heard that girl. I heard that she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't keep her mouth shut. We should leave a we message. Should rip her tongue out. <laughs> Let's rip it out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So yeah, it's just it's just high school talk. That's all it was between the Yeti aliens and Russians. Yep. That's all it ever was. <laughs> that's what high school is. <laughs> that's that's Russia. That's, that's the that's the what is it? Yeah. That's that's Mother Russia for you. Aliens, Yetis. They have the Russians. aliens, the Yetis, the Russia. military, the militia, the the, the KGB. KGB. Yeah. KGB. KGB. Yeah. KBB. Don't come for me. <laughs> now we're going to get into some updates with the case. And one of them I labeled who is buried there. As of April in 2018, they started to exhume the remains of Semyon Zoltorov because his family members didn't really believe that he was actually buried there. Seven of the dead students were buried at the Mihilovka Cemetery in Sverdlov. Semyon Koltorov and Yuri Krivonyshenko, for some reason, were buried separately in the Ivanovsky Cemetery. Semyon Zoltorov generally does not appear in the list of those buried at the Ivanovsky Cemetery. The grave under the obelisk with the inscription Semyon Zoltorov is not listed. According to the documentation, Semyon was never buried at the Ivanovsky Cemetery. Once realized in the following days, uh they would conduct an exhumation of the DNA of the person buried under Zoltorov's obelisk to establish his kinship with, with alleged nephews and nieces. And also they would be studying together with expert fractures of the ribs of Semyon. It turned out that the autopsy reports don't quite match the injuries they found during the excavation. So basically once they exhumed him, they started to run all different sorts of tests on him to prove who it really was. Uh, and who was said to be buried there. They even brought out this skull mapper where a computer will map the size of the skull and try to match it to the person you have pulled up on a computer. In the first look at the skeletal system, it's shown that most of the injuries are matching up to the original report that happened. The skeleton was really preserved, though, for in the coffin, even though all the clothes had disintegrated over the last 50 years. Forensic medical expert Sergei Nikitin performed the method of superimposing Zoltarov's photo and the skull from the grave directly at the cemetery. On the spot, Nikitin it concluded that the person who is captured in the photo is buried in the grave. According to the relatives, the photo used for the skull superimposition was undoubtedly of Semyon. The first test was conducted in May. Geneticist Alexei Garkovnoko aired the sensational results on Channel 1, quote, close relationships between the person buried in the graves and relatives of Semyon Zoltov is excluded. Although when they ran a second set of tests, the test said that they are related by doing a DNA test on Semyon's niece, and they came back as a match. But then there is also a conspiracy theory that Semyon's brother Nikolai was actually impersonating him since he disappeared in the 40s because he was working with the Germans during the war at the time. In the second exhumation... This time, it was conducted by such an authoritative scholar as Pavel Ivnov showed that the DNA of the person buried under the sign Semyon Zoltorov matches the DNA of his niece, but this fact does not exclude the version of other researchers who suspected that under the name of Semyon, his brother Nikolai could be buried, who, like we just said, worked for the, worked for the Germans and disappeared. No one knows where he is. So basically, because uh, they did all this genetic testing and everything they can say that yeah he's probably buried there but because they're testing dna and just matching it up it doesn't mean that it's like officially him it could be another relative which is why they can't really disprove the theory that it's his brother i feel like that's fair but it would be such it'd be a lot of work just to get a relative to say that it's the same person mm-hmm. like his brother's working somewhere else and they took the time to after he passed Did his brother pass before do we know they don't know what happened to Nikolai, his brother. So how would they... He just completely disappeared. Could have been... I feel like that's just a lot of work. Yeah. You know, to just do that rather than even just losing the body itself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. It's... I think it is who they think it is. I'm 99% sure it is too, but just... I don't know. It was just a little tidbit. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like that they're still like trying to continue with it too and making sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
getting you can never the do evidence. too much. You can never be too thorough yeah. Yeah. with cases like this or any case really. You can't you can't overdo it. You can definitely underdo it one hundred percent. But you can't but you can't overreact. Yeah. yeah. The next one I labeled they were told to say it was an accident. As of twenty thirteen, in nineteen fifty nine, Ivjinzi Okoshiv was the deputy chief of the investigation department of the prosecutor's office at the Svevdorlovsk region. This is what he remembers, quote, When it became clear that the hikers had died, we organized an investigation team under the direction of criminal prosecutor Lev Ivanov, and I was appointed to supervise their work. The impression of the exhumation of the tent with its cuts and remains of food inside was that the hikers had just sat down to supper and suddenly felt panic that made them all rush out. We tried to collect more facts about the pass. We learned that the location was a sacred site of the Mansi, and the women were not allowed to go there. Since the hikers group can included two women, the Mansi were first the first that we suspected. However, this version is soon discarded. And taken back to the Mansi theory, we know why it was discarded. Because they weren't really on a sacred mountain. It was like 40 kilometers to the left or something like that, that it was considered not sacred to them. So as I'm reading what he was having to say about this, he goes on for a bit back and forth with the interviewer about his different opinions. And they go over how they thought it was the Manzi people who had originally murdered them. But one of the deputies of the Manzi confirmed that even though women weren't typically allowed, it was not sacred ground they were camping on to begin with. In that area, they looked up to the Russians and invite travelers in to stay with them even. Okishiv goes on to say, and I quote, We applied with a letter signed by the Oblast prosecutor to either the prosecutor general of the USSR or the federal. I don't remember exactly now asking to explain what we, what really we were investigating into and how it was related to radiation. Could it be so that even the top commandment of the Ural military district knew nothing of any tests or errors held there in response to our letter, deputy prosecutor general comrade Yurov Yurokov came to meet with us and gave orders that we were, that we were to tell all who asked the hikers the death was an accident. Yurokov evaded all of our questions about Tess Arments. I mean, he did not deny this version, but simply avoided direct answers. What's more, Yurokov took absolutely no interest in the course of our investigation, as if the picture of the scene was absolutely clear to him already. He, however, took the case away with him. With that, our investigation came to an end. Just imagine, at the very height of the invest investigation, when dead bodies with strange injuries have just been found, the case is being taken away. I clearly remember when we were signing our letter in the office of Oblast Prosecutor Klinov. He himself asked in doubt whether we had omitted something and had not fully checked one or the other evidence. We told him that if the top officials discarded the military incident version, then all that is left to us to consider is other possible versions. He found our consideration convincing and signed the letter. But again, the reaction from Moscow was such that our superstitions of a military involvement had been neither confirmed nor disproved. And the interviewer and Okish, Okishviv, the other guy, <laughs> go on to talk about how the KGB may have been involved. But when the interviewer reached out to the head of the KGB investigation department for Svevdorlovsk Oblast, he basically said that, no, we didn't have anything to do with that, but then declined an actual interview for it. So Okish was basically like, well, if they really weren't involved, they should have no problem meeting with you to summarize it a bit. One of the things that Okish mentioned was bizarre about this case was the red skin they all had when the bodies had been found. Because when you freeze to death, it isn't very common to have red skin. When Okishiv was asked about this theory as to what happened, he was... He was pretty similar to what we covered earlier. He said, I have a strong suspicion after all those expert examinations, particularly after the radiation analysis made by some order of top authorities, that there had been tests of some secret weapons or a launch failure. By that time, the USSR and the USA had signed a test ban and nuclear weapons production cutback treaty. New extra power devices needed to be created. It may well be due to the special secrecy tests were conducted at locations unknown to the enemy the students might have walked into a test area and got injured by fragments of the missile or something of that kind end quote when asked about what happened to the other notebooks because we know there were only five di five diaries found so that means four notebooks were still missing 
He said that there could be anything, withdrawal of documents, other material evidences, anything that might expose unfavorable, the involvement of the top authorities had to be destroyed. Which makes sense. Yeah. <sighs> Interesting. Any Interesting. thoughts on that? Yeah, I remember that topic of testing. Mm-hmm. Which is another really plausible and logical theory. I think that's what they were going off for the longest time is that. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're keeping on that, maybe they're getting closer. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that one's been the one they've been following the strongest. Mm-hmm. It's the strongest of them all. More government cover-ups. Yep. Do you think they would have wrote on their deathbeds? During this time, everyone had diaries, so probably. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, they probably did. There Why had to be something in those diaries. Keep all the diaries. What? Only take some of them, some of the diaries. Because maybe only some of them wrote in it what they saw, or like what they experienced from seeing like maybe some one of them were like oh we were attacked by so and so in these unicorns you know something that would give evidence that it was them they destroyed them do you think they're still out there i feel like they're still out there somewhere in the russian government document archives they have to be yeah (laughs) i agree there maybe after another 20 years yeah Yeah. once vladimir putin dies we'll probably know how old is he? Like what? Fifty? We got. They just don't assassinate people like they used to anymore. <laughs> They're gonna come for us. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Remember I'm his... sorry, Russia. Oh, I cut love that you. Out, cut that out. Didn't he have a heart scare too? That's. Uh, I'm pretty sure he had a heart condition too. Yeah. Or something, and he was gone, and everyone thought he was di- dead for a minute. Same with Kim Jong Un. What? No, I said speed it up. Oh yeah, yeah, Kim. Same with Kim. But nope, still alive. Damn. With all their cell transplants. I found some stuff about Germany. Some some of their laws is pretty interesting. Yeah, like what? Uh, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure when you're having a child, the government has to approve the name you give your child. What? Yeah, and another Utah one. would never survive. Not... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> the million well, ways it, is it's well... not separated. Church yeah. and state isn't separated, so the church would be like, oh yeah, yeah. Because they oh, like yeah. their white people. And you want to name names. your your um, McKinsley? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say Michaela, but spelled L E I G H. Those names. I'm sorry if you have that name. I'm sorry your parents hated you. <laughs> my, my mom took biblical names and simplified them even more. Like <laughs> the spelling is so more simplified. Yeah, I was named after a Lenny Kravitz song. If not, my name would have been Zephra. My father. Damn, that's unfortunate. What are you talking about? Your name's a worm. Yeah. (laughs) Dad's a worm. I'm a cat. He's a bull worm. (laughs) An Alaskan bull worm. I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) The Um. Alaskan bull worm. (laughs) I kind of look like that. Visualize it. That's me. That's me. Now we're going to get into the criminal case was cut short and some violations that went on. Some of the protocols of investigative actions were not signed by the attesting witnesses who were present during these procedures. For example, the act of the forensic medical examination of Slobodin's body was not signed by the witness S.V. Gordo. The acts on Kolotorov, Zoltorov, and Thibault and Dobnina were were not signed by a forensic expert. There were numerous reservations, amendments, erases of interrogation protocols, and other investigative actions in the protocols are not confirmed by the signatures of the respondent. Then there's the material evidence was not described in detail and was not attached to the case by a special decree. In addition, the fate of the material evidence is not determined in the decision to terminate the case. The investigation period was extended to three months on April 30th, 1959, while the two-month investigation period expired on April 28th, 1959. Vladimir is 70 years old. He doesn't look 70. Oh, it looked like five years ago, but recent, very recent. Yeah. He is melting. He's melting away. Yeah. (laughs) Let me see a picture. Because, like, I'm picturing Vladimir Putin, the man that looks like... I think that's when uh, he restarted in 2012. Oh. And then let me see if I can find a Reese. Because I'm picturing Max from Max and Ruby, because I think Vladimir Putin looks like him. <laughs> the rabbit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see it. That's who Vladimir Putin reminds I, me I, of, is Max I, from Max and Ruby. I guess he still doesn't. Is it the double chin? He doesn't really look 70. I'd say, like... Let's say he does late. so that it, he dies faster. 
rather than saying he doesn't, so he was yeah. longer. He's been their president for 10 years. That's insane. And then he was the president beforehand, too. That's crazy. Let's not get into Russian yeah, yeah, politics. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to skip that. Yeti, 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 yeti. <laughs> yeti, yeti, yeti. The protocols of the exhumation of the corpses found under the cedar tree do not indicate the time of the exhumation and the temperature of the ambient air. The description of the situation at the scene of the incident is not is inconsistent, which does not contribute to the information of a correct idea of the location of the inspection and what happened there. Then there's the protocol of the inspection of the place under the cedar tree does not describe all the objects and items found there. Interrogation records are not detailed enough. The acts of the forensic medical examination are short and not very informative. There was also no planning of the preliminary investigation. Different versions of the development of the events were not checked. They ended up doing some research into high-profile cases around this time, and it created a pattern where it was typical for a lot of these cases to be closed without explanation or just thrown out the window and half-assed the entire time. Ultimately, they chose to close this case very prematurely. And then we've got discrepancies to close the case. So Zoltarov's initials are all wrong in all three versions of the re- of the resolution. This is the case in another document, the protocol, the forensic medical examination. Both documents are procedural. There is a question about the identification of Zoltarov. However, in non-procedural documents like the receipt of Semyon's mother receiving his belongings, the name of Zoltarov is stated quite correctly. So Ivanov, Ivanov knew what his name really was because there's different spellings of his name, even on his headstone and official documents. Why can never people not spell headstones right? Just I don't know. Look at Elvis. Yeah. Look at Elvis. I You'd think you could spell Elvis's headstone right. What is Elvis? He's done and over with. We're not. No we're more not Elvis. Back. We're tired of Elvis. He's dead. He's <laughs> dead. The killer is escaping. <laughs> <laughs> In the ski trail, which was preserved at the time of the search, it was possible to establish that the hikers moving to the valley of the fourth tributary of Lozvar River were 500-600 meters to the left, and instead of the pass, uh, formed the peaks 1079 and 880. They went up on the eastern slope of 1079. This was their second mistake. No ski tracks were detected on the ridge, and accordingly, talking about the group movements can only be theoretical. Thus, there is no data for an orientation error. This can only be assumption. One of the cameras, the last frame, shows the moment of excavation of the snow for the installation of the tent. Considering that this frame was shot with an exposure... This is going to get really technical. Um, considering this frame was shot with an exposure of I-25 seconds with a, dia- with a diaphragm of 5.6 at a film sensitivity of 65 UN GOST... And taking into account the density of the frame, we can assume the hiker started at the installation of the tent around 5 p.m. A similar picture was taken with another camera. (laughs) But now we're going to get into... These photos belong in the category of loose photos. The source is not known. They are not part of the criminal case, and they must be if they were examined. The frames are not from any DLO group members' films. In the material of the criminal case, there is no documentation of the exhumation for establishing the time when these pictures were taken as well as there are no documents reflecting the state of the cameras thus the statement of ivanov is not at all confirmed by any of the materials of the criminal case so they were just throwing photos in a little bit yeah and just saying oh these are the photos yeah but they weren't considered part of the criminal case that's confusing (laughs) so they found some photos yeah didn't add it to the case but they threw in random photos I think I miss. From what I could understand, that's what it sounds like. Both. So they're just like, just here's photos. Yeah. And, um, they're like, here you go. Yeah. Don't, some photos were no considered. Relevant, they're not their photos. These are yeah. Just some some photos were considered criminal case. The other photos were just considered loose photos. Very weird. Very confusing. Also, sorry for giggling, but. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking worm had his uh, finger up his nose, <laughs> and then he was staring at you. And he just kept going off about the camera. And, so like, oh. and he stared at you, and he got a little closer. <laughs> he's so 
people didn't notice. I was in the zone. My meds my meds have kicked in. I'm tired. I my brain hurts. I feel my brain hurts too. We're almost there. Yeah, we only got a little bit longer to go. So according to his characteristics, shutter speed aperture and iso in the script it is impossible to draw a conclusion about the shooting time since the illumination is not affected not only by the time of day but also by the cloudiness poor visibility due to snow and so on and so forth inspection of the tent showed that it was set correctly and provided accommodations for the hikers in the tent there were two blankets backpacks storm jackets and trousers the rest of the blankets were crumpled and frozen on the blankets found several loin pieces Assessment of the state of the tent causes a huge amount of controversy because prior to the inspection by the authorities, it was partially examined by the search party. Some of the items were taken from there by them and possibly returned the next day. It is also not known exactly what the investigators found out or did they uh, about the fact that the rescuers handled items from inside the tent rather than documenting them. Some more just not documenting things. Yeah. Constant. Mm Mm-hmm. Near the bodies, Krivonashenko's knife was found, which cut off the fir branches near the fire. Finding the knife is not documented anywhere and is not reflected in any of the the memories of search party participants. The same Krivonashenko knife was not presented to relatives and was not returned to them, unlike all the other knives of the group. So they know something. Yeah. They know something. I know something you don't. (laughs) I know something you don't know. (laughs) A forensic, a forensic autopsy revealed that Koltov's death was caused by a low temperature, even though Koltov had no injuries. According to the autopsy report, Koltov was a wound of undetermined shape behind the right ear in the area of the mastoid process. The conclusion of, I'm going to butcher this, Vazor Zedini about death from hypothermia is not justified since none of the signs characteristics of hypothermia is indicated in the description part of the protocol the cause of Kolotov's death can be considered but it can't be determined now we're getting into who and why did they hush the case so Vladimir Korotov was the first to take up the investigation into the, into the death of the Dietlov group unfortunately he was removed from the case when he suggested that they died as a result of military tests here is what Korotev told the newspaperman, quote, I urgently reported the results of the autopsy to the members of the government commission who at the time were drinking in Lozva, but no one needed this information. Everyone was satisfied with the version of the deaths of the students freezing. Soon I was removed from the investigation, end quote. Volodya was Thank brief. You, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Volodya was brief. He said that some kind of fireballs flew over the pass, the origin of which is unknown. He interrogated the Manzi, but they were not involved. And when Korotov began to build some versions, he was summoned to a conversation at the local KGB department and asked to write that the hikers died from hypothermia. Volodya did not agree, and then he was removed from the investigation. And the case was then transferred to criminalist Lev Ivanov. After a few years, Vladimir Korotov looked at the criminal case in the archives of the regional prosecutor's office, and he was surprised that many of the documents that he personally compiled were not there. Because he suggested that it was a government cover-up, and they were like, no, no, no. So it was. Yeah, everything's <laughs> pointing to government cover-up. Yeah. This is recent, too. Yeah. Recent. And now we're going to get into why the original study of the case is unreliable. According to a woman named Natalia Sarova, the inspection of the scene of the incident was carried out extremely curiously. Such as, the trace picture near the tent is not reflected how the snow is located in thin layers or sediments, what is under the snow when it is removed in layers. There is no description of footprints or tracks with measurements, no indication of the presence of absence of traces or falls or dragging. There is no exact description of the location objects found near the tent with the indication of distances, clothes, or slippers. The outer part was not examined for traces of blood either. There is no exact description of the location of things inside the tent with a diagram of their location in the form of a picture. Professionally made photo tables are completely absent. It's a special kind of photographs made according to the rules of the court photography. In the cases files, there is only domestic amateur photography. So they didn't even have a professional forensic photographer to come out there. So they had nothing. So from the beginning, they were working off theories. Yeah. They just had their names. They had hardly... Mm -hmm anything at all 
I didn't know that. All of it's invalid. Damn. Hold on, hold on. Milo! I'm making his rounds. Uh, he, he needs keeps, his pets. He keeps uh, rubbing up against my bag. I like it smells like other cats. Even after going over all the details of the tent, there's many things missing or not even done in the exhumation, such as not taking pictures of the tent while being professionally examined. There's no details specifying any stains or anything in the tent, even though there probably should have been. There's not any details on where the cuts were made how, or how long the cuts were. There weren't even any major testimonies taken at the time either. There are no interrogations of their classmates and colleagues about their characters, habits, and skills. There is nothing about the reason why Zoltarov ended up in the group. In a criminal case, either then or now, the participants in a joint event cannot be ignored by the investigation. Instead, the native Manzi were interrogated. And that's the only interrogation that they actually did. No thoughts? I'm just yeah. taking I'm just, it in. Yeah. <laughs> so, just the whole start of the story was just one giant theory as well. Yeah. And there's no way to go back. So we're so we're even farther into the no, unknown than we started. Yeah. Nice. More, like I said, more questions than answers. And not a single answer has no. Not a single question has been answered. This is what he has been doing. Oh, Milo. All right, and finally, we're getting to the end of this. Did the Swiss figure it out? Observations from 2023 support the conclusion that at the time, quote, on January 7th, 2023, the same mountain guides from the Urals who took part in the last year's expedition took a photo of another slab avalanche, end quote. Puzrin told us in an email, quote, this time even on the same mountain where the Dietlov group died about 700 meters from their tent. The new observation confirms that the slab avalanches are not only possible in the area of the Dietlov Pass, but also on Kohaut Siekel, where, they destroy, where the destroyed tent was found, says Herzrin. This is a completely new observation that has not been seen since 1959, so has the mystery of what happened on Death Mountain been solved? Not really. According to the ETH researcher, only, D, only Igor Dietlov and his com- comrades could confirm whether or not it was really an avalanche that led to their death. So the Swiss are going back to the avalanche. Yeah, possible, but mm-hmm. just the the, the science injuries, of it, the area and stuff though is so. Unless it was just like, I mean, not a. I'm not thinking just, a full blown avalanche. Milo, I'm thinking of like a good like foot or two of snow is coming down the mountain because it shifted. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But they were like, I don't know. I've just seen the science of that mountain. It just doesn't. It could. It could. It still makes sense. Possibility for it. Mm-hmm. below. They just happened to be wrong place, wrong time for that avalanche. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe if they were like in anywhere else, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be as bad as maybe if it was? Yeah. Yeah. Because they did choose to go, choose to go on like a higher up elevation place. Uh. Well, there's and that's... no conclusion. I'm. Nope. More questions than answers. And that's Dietlov Pass. What are your guys' final thoughts? I'm pretty much convinced it was a government cover-up at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's too much... There's, for an avalanche, too many still too much coincidences. things missing for just the avalanche. Yeah. It was the yeti, 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 yeti. And the fact that a lot of evidence... A lot of evidence was... A lot of evidence Fabricated. Was just, yeah. Fabricated. Yeah. Not, not the truth whatsoever. And then looking at it, it almost... Like seventy years later, having no case at all other than yeah. dead bodies, mm-hmm. it, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Government. Yeah. It's the government. It's gotta be. What are your thoughts? Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts and theories? Because we're pretty convinced it's government cover up. Do you guys think it was the aliens or the yetis? Oh, yeah. I already said they're friends. <laughs> they were just hanging out. They probably had a little picnic, a little snack. <laughs> then they were rudely interrupted on their rudely date. Rudely interrupted. It was a secret date that no one could... It was like Romeo and Juliet. And... The government orchestrated it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going too far. No, we're not. we got to make sure the Russian government doesn't come for us, though. Uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Vladimir Putin, if you're was... listening... <sighs> Please don't swat us. <laughs> Get down. Oh, God. All right. Well, I think I think that's it. Yeah, I think we've said all we can said. I'm ready for bed. And that was... Part- you guys oh. have 
Oh, were you going to say? <laughs> I was just going to close out. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, don't forget have... to check out our social media platforms. Uh, yeah. uh, Ellipsism Pod on <laughs> Instagram, Ellipsism Podcast on Facebook, and Ellipsism Pod on Twitter. Uh, let us know your feedback. Yeah, we're pretty easy to find. You guys have a good night. Yeah. Hopefully soon we'll be on other streaming services. Yeah. Services. Yeah. I'm getting there. We're working on Apple We're Music growing. right now. Learning Spotify. I heard Apple Bees soon. music. <laughs> no promises in the near future, but in the in the future after that, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you guys have a good night. That was hold on. God damn it! <laughs> I'm just trying to say that was part two. Dila pass. That's it. Our conclusion is uh, cover make cover up. Yeti. Yeah, nothing but hypothesis theories and. You mean hypothetical? Well, it's... Hypotheses? uh, Hypotheses. This is science, okay? Science. We're doing chemistry right now. Our brains are working. We never took chemistry. I took chemistry. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We know. Look at your math. Yeah. Math ain't math. Oh, my goodness. The math never maths with me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Worm, hit us with the outro. Hope you get home safe. Text us when you're home. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Milo just fucking...